There's an old saying. I don't know how old. Don't know who came up with it, but I think it'll be true as long as time exists. If you do not learn from history, you'll be sure to repeat it. I think there's a lot of wisdom in that statement. I think it's a statement that we ought to keep in the forefront of our minds as we serve God. Tonight we're going to be looking at the fall of Israel. And we do want to look at it in comparison to the church today. And we can also apply that to us as individuals in our service to God. So if you'd like to go ahead and turn to the book of Hosea, we're going to be taking our lesson from uh, the writings of Hosea. Hosea being one of the minor prophets had to speak to Israel. And when God separated His people from the rest of the nations, He did so with love, knowing that the seed of Christ coming through that line would eventually produce our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That does not mean that he did not love the other nations of the world, but he also he knew that they were uh, idolaters, they were pagans, they did not serve him as uh, he would have liked. Now that's not to say that every person that was not a, of the Jewish nation was a bad person and didn't serve God. We know at that time, although the law of Moses was in effect, the patriarchal law was in effect also for the Gentiles. But as Paul says, as recorded for us in Romans 15, 4, that those things that were written aforetime were written for our learning. And it goes along with the statement that I made a few minutes ago. We can look at others and we can see the mistakes of others. And if we're wise, we can look and see the mistakes of our own selves. There are those in the world today who are in positions of being role models so that when people look at them, they could learn how to see the right kind of behavior. Unfortunately, many of our public figures, whether political, whether in the entertainment field or the sports field, do not look at themselves as role models. And we can see that by the actions sometimes, and it's good that they are not trying to set themselves up as role models because of their actions. But we know that young people, and uh, not only small children, but uh, young adults often look to these people and imitate their lifestyles and their philosophies. And that is not good when they are going against God's Word. But as we look at our lesson tonight, and look at the fall of, of uh, Israel, we know that throughout their generations, throughout their history, that they paid for their rebellion to God, going into captivity more than one time. And paying the price for that, we would think that they would have learned the lesson. But, you know, we are really no different than they are. We don't need to think that we're better than they are just because they, as a nation, rejected God. Because we, as a nation, in my opinion, have rejected God. And it is not only a problem here in our country, but around the world. 
and individuals rejecting God in their lives is not good because there is no hope of eternal life in the rejection of God and His Word. The Apostle Paul, as he wrote to the different churches, warned the brethren about certain things. If you will, turn over to 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter. This is an, a, a good section that Paul uh, writes to the brethren, uh, helping them to understand certain things. And, of course, we know that as, as these writings were directed toward those churches and those individuals, they're applicable for us today. And we want to take that to heart and realize that these things can happen to us, maybe in a little bit different way, but yet we're still the church. And as he writes to the church, he writes out of love, he writes out of kindness, and wanting the brethren to have that eternal home. You know, Paul loved God, he loved to serve God, he loved the brethren, and he only wanted the best for them. Beginning in verse 1 of chapter 10, he says, Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea, and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and did all eat the same spiritual meat, and did all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with many of them God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness, now these things were our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Neither be ye idolaters as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. Neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured, and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these things happened unto them for examples, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. So Paul says very plainly that those things that the Israelites did caught up to them. He points out that we are not to follow that, that way of life. We're to have a different mindset. We're to have a different heart when serving God. And he says they paid for that. And we will pay for our uh, disobedience to God if we do not correct our disobedience to God. But as we look at our lesson tonight, Hosea gives seven reasons, and I'm sure that there are more, but he points out seven that we can look at tonight as the reason for Israel's departure. Now, oftentimes I try to go back and put my mind in their lifetime, in their day of living, and try to see how it would have been. We live in a very advanced world today with many more years of uh, technology and inventions and understandings, more things written that we can read about. These people did not have the availability of written material that we have today. And I wonder how it would have been not to have had something that we could read. Now, we know that they had the Old Testament Scriptures. We understand that. But it was so much different for them back then than it is for us today. Uh, as a matter of fact, I would think with what we have today, we'll be held more accountable if we do not know the truth and learn the truth because of what we do have. 
But Hosea points out some things that were very instrumental in the fall of Israel. And as we go through this lesson, keep in the back of your mind about the church and also maybe you as an individual. One of the most, I think, impressive verses that we have in all of Scripture is in chapter 4 and verse 6. This verse has been quoted many times. There have been probably literally thousands of sermons built off of this particular verse. As Hosea says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, because thou hast rejected knowledge. I will also reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God. I will also forget thy children. A lack of knowledge is a terrible thing. I don't know how long ago it was, but the commercial on TV, and if I can get this right, a mind is a, uh, something, a wonderful thing to waste or something to that effect. And it is in the sense that if God has given us ability, we don't use it. The children of Israel were led astray, and they sinned because of a lack of knowledge. God has always demanded that His people know His law. God has always made His law available to mankind. It doesn't matter if it was under the patriarchal system, the mosaic system, and even under the Christian system today, or the gospel plan today. God has always made knowledge available. And here Hosea says very plainly that The people are destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. If you will, turn over to Deuteronomy, the 31st chapter. Back when God had separated the children of Israel into His chosen people, and yet there are many people who misunderstand God's chosen people, even up to today, still thinking that The uh, Jews are God's chosen people. But as we look at this, beginning in verse 11 of chapter 31. Get the right verse here. I hope I haven't written down the wrong verse, but uh, that happens sometimes. Deuteronomy 31, verses 11 and through 13. God's heart was set on His people. He did not like to see them be led astray. He did not like it when the other nations mixed with them. Beginning in verse 11. When all Israel has come to appear before the Lord thy God in the place which He shall choose, thou shalt read this law before all Israel in their hearing. Now, notice what he says when all Israel has come together. What's the purpose of this? For them to hear the law. If you go back and you read before this, you will see the the full context of this. It says, Gather the people together, men and women and children, and thy stranger that is within thy gates, that they may hear and that they may learn and fear the Lord your God and observe to do all the words of this law. 
and that their children which have not known anything may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God as long as you live in the land whether you go over Jordan to possess it. So it was God's desire for his people to know his law. Also, dealing with kings. You know, it, it is hard to understand sometimes the actions of people. And although God did not want his people to be led by kings, they wanted a king to rule over them as the nations around them. And they received what they wanted. But it was one of those situations you, you ask for something and you realize once you get it that that's not what you want. <laughs> but there were laws concerning the kings, concerning the law. We look at Deuteronomy 17, verse 18, dealing with kings and the law. And it shall be when he sitteth upon the throne of his kingdom that he shall write him a copy of this law in a book out of that which is before the priest and the Levites. So it was a responsibility of the king to have a copy of the law because God wanted the kings to know that law. When we see the law that was given, it was not the easiest thing to carry out. God never gave a faulty law. law. God never gave a law that couldn't be carried out. The problem is with humanity. Because what kind of God would give a faulty law? What kind of God would give a law that could not be carried out? Oftentimes I hear people say that uh, people cannot keep the law. Well, I have not run across any, ver any verse in the Bible dealing with law that says, it shows that a person can't keep that. It's the problem of keeping it. Not that it can't be done, but it's not done. So when we look at a lack of knowledge, it can cause us a lot of problems. It caused Israel a lot of problems. It's causing a lot of problems today. Many of the Lord's church are going off into apostasy because they're being led astray by teachers that are saying things that are not correct with God's Word. They're being, in a sense, as we talked about this morning, they're being fed another gospel. Dedicating babies, instrumental music, and other things that are being added. The separation of congregations for worship. So on and so on. Because they have chosen either to go off on their own or listen to someone else. But today, can the church be destroyed for a lack of knowledge? Absolutely. Faithfulness of the church depends on knowledge. Because if you don't know what the truth is, how can you follow the truth? If we're told not to go beyond that which is written, we need to know what the truth is so that we know that when we go beyond that which is written. Denominationalism flourishes when people have a lack of knowledge. Why? Because they don't know the difference between right and wrong when it comes to what the Bible teaches. Because they can have someone stand in front of them and present something that sounds so right and so good that they don't have any trouble following it. They'll follow right along with them. 
because they don't have the knowledge. The church is commanded to take the gospel to the world. We're to teach people. How can we teach people correctly if we don't have the knowledge? So God has provided the knowledge. It is our responsibility to take the knowledge, understand it, and then take it to the world. But unfortunately, people are being deceived and they're getting a lot of help in that area about the truth. So we must understand that a lack of knowledge not only destroyed Israel, but it can destroy the church and it can destroy us as individual Christians. A second thing that Hosea talks about is in the fifth chapter. Hosea chapter 5, verse 5. And the pride of Israel does testify to his face. Therefore shall Israel and Ephraim fall in their iniquity. Judah also shall fall with them. Pride is a problem. We've got pride problems in our world big time today. I, mean, I don't think you would disagree with that. We, we have people who are, they think they're better than everyone else. They think they're smarter than everyone else. And it is a problem. A problem with that problem is the fact that people are not honest and will not own up to their mistakes. They have too much pride, too much arrogance to own up to their mistake. But Israel had pride. Pride is condemned throughout the Bible. I don't know how many verses deal with pride, and we see the condemnation in that. But in Proverbs 29, 23, Solomon wrote, A man's pride shall bring him low. Well, we see right there the fact that pride is a bad thing when it is in, taken in the wrong way. It is good to have pride about certain things. You want to have pride about yourself and your appearance, the way you present yourself, and that's not wrong. It's not wrong to have pride in you know, making your home look nice, but that can be a problem if it's the wrong kind of pride. And, of course, we know that's what the Scripture's talking about here. But as Solomon writes, a man's pride shall bring him low, but honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. Pride can kill a congregation in a hurry. Israel suffered from pride. James tells us that God resists the proud. In other words, people who think that God owes them or someone else owes them, that is the kind of pride that will condemn a person. We are very aware of the parable about the Pharisee and the publican praying side by side. We see the problem of pride in that. That is why that parable is there, to show the difference in humility and pride. The, ver the Pharisee was very prideful. As he says, I'm glad I'm not like others. Well, in his mind, he was better than others. Although he may have done good works, if you'll read that, that passage there in Luke 18, 9 through 14, you'll see that he mentioned certain things that he had done, which were good works. Nobody would disagree with that, but it was his attitude about doing those works that caused him to be on the wrong side of the Lord. 
Verse 9, it says, And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Many people have that problem today, trusting in themselves rather than God or trusting in other things. So pride is something that will kill the church and it will destroy the individual too. Because where pride is, humility is absent. Where humility is, pride is absent. So Israel had a problem with pride. The church doesn't need to have that kind of pride. Pride can destroy the church. A third thing that destroyed Israel caused them to fall, chapter 6, verse 4, was instability. O Ephraim, what shall I do unto thee? O Judah, what shall I do unto thee? For your goodness is as a morning cloud, and as the early dew it goeth away. Now we know that we wake up in the mornings, there may be dew on the grass, but as the day goes on, it burns off. The dew is no longer there. They had a problem of being consistent in their service to God. We see that in the church today, people with their uh, inconsistency in making services. And usually when we preach about attendance, we're preaching to those who don't have a problem with attendance, normally. But it is a problem. Israel was not consistent in their service to God. As I look at it, they were like on a roller coaster, sometimes down, sometimes up, sometimes down, sometimes up. Members of the church have problems with that in their lives today. They are not consistent in their service to God. Now, do they believe in God? Yes. Do they believe in, in the church? Yes. But they're not consistent. They have not dedicated their life to God. When I became a Christian, I didn't have any doubt where I would be when the church met. That never was a problem. I knew when the church met, and I knew that I would be there. But some people have not reached that level of maturity. Some people have not fought those problems in life that pull you away from God to the point to where you say, I'm not going to let those things keep me from God. Israel would go off away from God, and then they would come back, and then they would go off from God, and then they would come back. Very inconsistent. They were not stable in their service to God. We can look at this instability as a lack of determination. I don't want anything to keep me from the Lord. And I'm sure you're the same way. But Israel never thought about that. They would let things pull them away from God. They would follow those things many times voluntarily. Jesus makes a very important statement. And it really sums up the Christian's attitude when it is right. Because when the Christian's attitude is right, this verse is being kept. Luke 9, 23. Jesus says, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. That shows pure dedication. There are a lot of things in this life that can pull us away from God. There's no doubt about that. There are so many things. and We live in such a chaotic world sometimes that it is not hard to have something throw you off track. But we as Christians have to fight that. 
We have to put out the effort. Remember what the Hebrews writer said? Those that diligently seek God. That means it's not a cakewalk. Unless you've gotten to a point in your life that you know where your life is and who it's dedicated to, where it's going, then it gets easier to serve God because you've already made that commitment. You've already made that determination what's going to be in your life when it comes to God's Word. Israel had not gotten to that point to where it was consistent throughout their generations. As Paul says, we must be steadfast and unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, 1 Corinthians 15, 58. That is the attitude we have to have, always abounding in the work of the Lord. We're, unsta- we're stable, steadfast. Nothing is going to move us off of that point. The insta- instability hurt Israel. A fourth thing, mixing with the world. Verse 8 of chapter 7. Ephraim, he hath mixed himself among the people. Ephraim is a cake not turned. In other words, half-baked, not complete. goes back to that determination, the step before this. Israel was commanded to keep themselves from the other nations. Why? Because God knew the other nations were pagan nations, and he did not want his people mixing with those. We as parents, as our children grow, we don't want our children to mix with the wrong people. We take note of who their friends are, what they're going to be doing, who they're going to be around, so on and so on, because we do not want them to be in trouble or to be in harm's way. We don't want the wrong influence on our children. But it happens. Evil communication corrupts good morals. In other words, bad company. But Israel mixed with the world. In Exodus, the 23rd chapter, verses 32 and 33, Thou shalt make no covenant with them, nor with their gods. They shall not dwell in thy land, lest they make thee sin against me. For if thou serve their gods, it will surely be a snare unto thee. God is warning them, if you go over here and you mix with these people, first of all, they make you sin against me. We don't want to sin against God. Israel should have had that in mind, not to sin against God. But he says it's a snare, it's a warning. How many times do we warn people of certain things? God is warning the Israelites. First of all, He's commanding them not to go mix with the other nations. But He also makes a point to say, it'll be a snare to you. You're going to pay for it. I remember, and I know Brenda does too, times when our children were growing up, we could say, well, if you make that decision, this is what's going to happen. You'll pay for it. Israel mixed with the nations. That was a big problem for Solomon, too. If you will, turn over to 1 Kings. Solomon, being the wisest man, he prayed that God would give him wisdom 
And, you know, sometimes we have head scratchers, what we call head scratchers. We just kind of figure, you know, how in the world could something like that happen? But we have to remember people are people. And we all make mistakes. We all make decisions that, that we regret later on. But as I said earlier, there were uh, certain uh, commandments for kings. And Solomon, being a king, did not follow God's word all the time. 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 1. Notice what it says. But King Solomon loved many strange women, together with the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Zidonians, and Hittites, of the nations concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, Ye shall not go into them, neither shall thou come in unto you, for surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. Solomon clave unto these in love. So what happens to Solomon? He follows the uh, direction of these so-called wives and concubines, as we see here. That was against God's law. The kings were not supposed to do that. And yet, Solomon looks like he just fell headlong into it. But what was the, the reasoning behind it? They will lead him away from God. That was... The, the point that God was making to him. They will lead you away from God, and they did exactly that. So mixing with the world, and we can look at that as we as Christians don't need to be involved in certain things of the world. Because sin is fun a lot of times. And people like to have fun. You like to have fun, I like to have fun. But we know it has to be the right kind. But yet, if sin was not fun, you wouldn't have as many people doing it. So we don't need to mix with the world. What does John say in 1 John chapter 2? About love not the world, nor the things of the world. Because those things become your God. Your attention goes to those things more than to serving God. So mixing with the world, the church can be involved in that too by letting certain things come in. Or we can do it as individuals in letting those things come into our lives and they'll pull us away from God. So mixing with the world was another problem that Israel had. Also corruption. Now, as we look at these things that have already been mentioned, we can see that these things corrupted Israel and cause them to fall away from God. Proverbs 23 and verse 7, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. We see the corruption. How a person thinks, what's in the heart, is the corruption. That's where it starts. And by Israel not wanting to retain God in their knowledge, as we know that Paul says in Romans 1 about people, but yet, when these Israelites went against God, they didn't want to keep God in their knowledge. Well, sometimes they did. They wanted to serve God, and they wanted to serve these pagan gods. It happened at different times. But we see here in chapter 9, verse 9 of Hosea, he says, They have deeply corrupted themselves as in the days of Gibeah. 
Therefore, he will remember their iniquity. He will visit their sins. They have deeply corrupted themselves. Nobody forced them to. They did it on their own. When we go and we're involved in sin, we do that to ourselves. It is choice. It is personal choice. But Israel had a problem with it, and it caused them to be separated from God. Chapter 11, verse 7, falling away from God. You know, most people don't just all of a sudden one day say, I'm not going to serve God anymore. It's a gradual process. Chapter 11, verse 7, Hosea says, My people are bent to backsliding from me. Though they call them to the Most High, none at all would exalt Him. They had decided to start pulling away from God. Notice how God phrases that, the Holy Spirit phrases that. And my people are bent to backsliding. It was their choice. It happens in people's lives today, how they will backslide away from God, from the church, any involvement with the church. It's like an example someone gave. They're up front, and then they gradually move a little farther back, a little farther back, and then a little farther back, the back pew, and then next thing you know, they're out the door. That happens. But Israel had a problem with it. And then the last thing I want to look at tonight is idolatry. Chapter 13, verse 2. And now they sin more and more and have made them molten images of their silver and idols according to their own understanding. All of it the work of the craftsmen. They say of them, let the men that sacrifice kiss the calves. When Moses came down off of Mount Sinai and he had the law, I think on those tablets of stone were the laws against idolatry. Go back to Exodus chapter 20 and verses 3 through 5 there, you see very plainly God's view of images, graven images, and how that the Israelites were not to have any graven images. We may not have the graven images today. Well, there are. Some people in different religions have images and little statues and things, and and they pay homage to those, to gods. You go over into uh, India and places like that where they have Buddhism and all those different religions. There's still people who have statues, and, and they bow down before those statues and those gods. But we can also shift and look at the fact that these gods in our world today are movie stars, musicians, professional athletes, athletes, and for a certain group of people, politicians. Because there are those of that world who idolize those that have reached a certain level in the political world. Or it may be something we like to do. Those things become our gods if we are not careful. So idolatry also caused Israel to fall away from God. And as I look at these things, I see how that they're very influential in our world in some way or another. And we as the church should never allow these things to come between us and God because God is not going to bless us if we are doing things that are not according to His will. Israel 
did all these things and put a wedge between them and God. As Isaiah said, their sins had put a separation between them and God. So it's important for us to realize that this could happen to us today. We see what happened to Israel. As Paul said, those things that were written aforetime were written for our learning. We have a record of what happened to the Israelites, God's inspired word. They had those Old Testament scrolls in the days of Paul. They could go back and they could read those. Paul, being a Pharisee, he most definitely was one who had studied the written law. But we need not let these things cause us to sin against God today as a whole or as individuals. So the fall of Israel can happen to the church also in this day and time. We pray that we can remain steadfast as God's children as long as we stay with God's word render obedience unto that word correctly, then we won't have a problem. But the denominational world is not of God's word. And it is sad because we look at the number of people that are involved in uh, different religious groups. That's a lot of people that will not be saved. And that is a sad situation. The question tonight is, in your personal life, Have you let these things that affected Israel affect you? First of all, by not being a Christian, not serving God, being away from God, being as the pagan nations, or as a child of God that has followed the path of Israel and fallen away from God. If you have never rendered obedience unto the gospel, you have not followed the commandments of Jesus. You have not become a child of God because the scriptures plainly teach in order for us to become a child of God, we have to obey the gospel. Hearing the word, believing that Jesus is the Son of God, repenting of our sins, uh, confessing Christ publicly, and being baptized for the remission of sins. That is what is commanded. That is what is needed to put a person into Christ, Galatians 3.27, become a child of God and have eternal life because Paul says, as recorded in 2 Thessalonians 1, 7 through 9, that those that don't obey the gospel are going to perish. So if you have not done that, you need to do that tonight. We stand ready to help you become a child of God. As a child of God, if you need to correct your life with God, been unfaithful, or if there's sin, whatever, I encourage you to straighten it out tonight. Something that's needed to do publicly, you need to do it publicly and now. Because I don't want to miss heaven, and I don't think you do either. But if you need to respond to tonight's invitation, pray that you'll do so as we stand and sing.